0: Hi, I'm Rachel Dillon, and together with my husband, Marcus Dillon, we lead Who's Really the Boss podcast, where we highlight the joys and challenges of running a business with your spouse or family. Our mission is to strengthen families and businesses by helping listeners avoid the mistakes we have made so they can lead and live happily ever after. All right, well, welcome back to another episode of Who's Really the Boss podcast. We have Marcus, as always, and a special guest and also friend of ours, Mick. Mick, will you give a self-introduction?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me on, guys. Uh, My name is Mick Niger. I'm a CPA. Just outside of the Seattle area, we've got a a small business practice north of Seattle, about 15 miles north is downtown Seattle, and... um, I work with uh, you know uh, small business owners in the local community. Um, our practice is called Nitec Services Inc. Um, and you know uh, my dad started this business in the mid '90s, so he's the founder of the business. And um, right now we have 15 employees, and we continue to serve the small business community in our area. Um, outside of uh, and and also my wife works with us, which is you know I'm sure we'll be talking about that. Um, and outside of business. Um, I really enjoy everything about health and fitness. Um, I've really and really gotten into that lately, you know. Um, in my mid thirties or early thirties, I'd say I was at my unhealthiest point, you know, just running a business, trying to serve all our business clients. It just takes a lot of work. And I just, you know, was focusing a lot on the business side of things. And I found myself just overweight, having back problems and dealing with issues. I was even high cholesterol at age 32. I was diagnosed with autoimmune disease that I'm working through for the rest of my life now. So, you know, I really just started focusing a lot on health and fitness. And when I talk about health, I think uh, the mental health piece is really important as well. And I've seen a lot of changes ever since I was able to focus on myself, uh, you know, and help me personally with my family, everything I do on the personal side, but also on the business side, right? you know, anything you do as a, you know, as the main individual running the business on a personal side, it always pays dividends on the business side as well. So I really enjoy everything health and fitness, try to go out for walks as much as possible, spend as much time with my kids. Uh, I've got a daughter that's eight years old and a son that's six years old. We get out and play baseball, run around, go hiking, uh, play basketball and just try and do as much outdoor activities as we can, especially in the summertime in Seattle. Um, I know, I'm i not sure if you guys have been out here. I know you have a little bit better weather down in Houston, but out here, you know, we try to make the most of the summertime.
2: Yeah. Depends on uh time of year for who gets the better weather. And I would say Pacific Northwest in the summer months is uh, definitely a little bit easier to take walks and play outside than it is in Houston right now. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. Yes, you guys are nice and hot and humid, and we're in the
1: we're coasting in the perfect low to mid eighties, and it's just beautiful out. Yeah, love
2: it, man, love it.
0: That's awesome. And just in giving your introduction, there are so many similarities. So not surprising that uh, you and Marcus are quite good friends and have a lot of commonalities. Can share stories back and forth, just with interest and even kind of background in that early 30s lifestyle with the firm and making that the number one priority for a couple of years and realizing maybe that wasn't the right move to make. So yeah. yeah, that's interesting. Well, Marcus, do you want to share how we came to know Mick?
2: Yeah. Uh, Mick has uh, become a, a good friend. And so we came to know Mick and were introduced to him through a community called RootWorks. And so it's an accounting community or a community that serves accountants and the accounting community. And so uh, got to know Mick there and then also got to know him deeper whenever he joined a mastermind group that I was able to facilitate and kind of lead. So uh, Mick has been a part of that for about a year now and just kind of seen uh, what's going on in his life and his firm and also kind of being there uh, as his friend. So that kind of brings us to a lot of the discussions that are similar and uh, great to see somebody like him kind of continuing to push forward, not only in his own business, but the accounting industry and his family as well. Because as you mentioned, uh, with our journey, having the girls when they were eight and six and looking back and maybe Mick and I can compare cholesterol numbers as well, but, uh, just everything that we learned during those stages, that that's good without medicine, right? Without medicine, that's the most important piece. That is, that is so. Uh, but that's, that's cool to see someone kind of on that same journey with you. And, uh, as we'll talk about today, a lot of similarities in the structure of the business too, with who's in it. So,
0: yeah. So yeah, today we are going to talk a lot about family. Mick, you've already mentioned your wife and your dad. Um, I believe you're going to mention a few more other family members as well that are involved, but yeah. before yeah. we get too far, will you share the best piece of advice you've ever been given?
1: Yeah, you know. Gosh, at this point of life, there's just so much advice that piles up and you kind of have to put it in different buckets, right? So I think the most, I just go back to um, the beginning, right? My dad instilled the values in me and he told me to always learn and continue to learn and educate yourself. That's the most important piece, right? Especially in the industry that we're in, you know, you always have to be learning and adapting tax laws, for example, I'm a tax strategist, tax, uh, I I think I'm a tax planning expert and based on, you know, tax law, it's always changing. If you're not learning and constantly evolving and constantly researching, you're going to fall behind. Just going back into our industry or just life in general right now, you know, AI is taking over, right? So at my age, I'm young enough where this is going to be a big factor in my life for the foreseeable future. So learning th- these things, you know, actually thinking about how it is going to affect my life and my business and continuing to learn and adapt because if we don't we'll always fall behind you know my dad is older and he's 68 now he just turned 68 um, a couple weeks ago so for him you know that's fine he's on the back end of his career he he he's gone through this right so he said okay now it's your turn to take care of all these responsibilities and make sure to always continue to learn and adapt so i think that's the most important advice it goes back you know a long time it's not just recent advice i continue to live by that daily so that would be the most important but i wanted to share something recently that i recently came across that i think is important advice and i i came across something you know marcus might laugh at it. it you know it's through social media funny enough so you know that kind of runs our life right now i'd say but somebody had said something like 20 years from now the only people that will remember how much how much you worked will be your kids. So that's a pretty recent thing that really hit me because you know I talk to my wife Karen all the time and say you know everything we're doing in this business everything I do is for my family and for my kids. But with a blink of eye blink of an eye you know it's going to be you know too late. They're eight and six years old right now. I need to spend as much time as I can with them. You know, I'm not working super long hours like I used to. We've obviously made efficiencies in the business. So I am able to step out as much as possible. I've got business partners also now that are there to take on some of the responsibilities when I'm not available. So from that side, it's great. But just being a business owner, you guys know, it's just, you never turn it off. So that's what I've really want to focus on and I've been really trying to focus on is, you know, when I go home to be able to put the phone down, to be able to get my mind into the now and actually be with my kids in the moment is really important. And I know I'm sure you guys can speak on it. You know, you're a little bit ahead of me. Your daughters are 18, 16, I believe. um, And so I'm about 10 years behind you, eight and six. So, you know, I'd love to hear your guys' wisdom on that as well. But I think that's the most important piece that, um, recent advice that I came across that I really, really want to focus
2: on and just be there and present with my kids. I don't think we're that much further ahead of you in age, but definitely when we chose to have kids, uh, was, was at a younger age. So it, I would say print that out, put it everywhere you could possibly think and keep that in the forefront of your mind because... It's so easy to get consumed by your day and forget what truly matters. And um, yeah. that coming across that meme or whatever it was, it, who knows who took credit for saying that. Um, but definitely, you know, having kids that one is leaving the house this year, the other turns 16 today. So she gets freedom unlike she's had and who knows how much she'll be home uh, in the near future. But yeah, I would say six and eight, hang on to that and just soak it up while while you can, because it does go very fast.
0: I think we did not. We knew and were trying to pay attention when they were younger, not six and eight. We were head down in the business at that point. But by the time they were in junior high, we're like, this is important. The second our oldest started high school, time has just flown by, and now we pay a lot more attention the last two to three years um just how fast her freshman year of high school. So I think that's awesome that year. You know, just stumbled across that early early enough to make changes and, you know, to make it to make it make sense. So um but yeah, no, we're the same as you. Like spend as much time as possible with them. And starting to pay off, they do choose to spend time with us even as teenagers. Like yeah. I don't know that they listen to any of our words, but they do choose to yeah. To spend time and and do things with us instead of other people.
2: I would say two other things there man is um uh, it's a marathon not a sprint. So there are um uh, there are ways to extend it and not go too crazy all at once. Every day can't be a day at Disneyland, so and then the other piece is it's more about quantity time than quality time. And so I think that's just the piece where, um, head down in the business for us, when our kids were that age, you try to f- block it out and then something happens. Someone's had a bad day or d- didn't go. And, and you know, that quality time that you were planning on just didn't go the right way. So I think that's the other pieces to kind of remember, man. So, uh, but yeah, no, that's, that's fun. And, uh, family, as part of the conversation today. So. Yeah.
0: so let's let's hear a little bit about how you came to be a part of the firm and then came to be a leader in the firm. Um kind of give us some background of where it started as far as your journey goes.
1: Yeah. So everyone has their own journey. So you know, in order to talk about mine, I think I need to lay the groundwork on how my dad started this firm. Um, Our family's from India. I was actually born in India, and in 1993, I was seven years old at the time. You know, my dad made a decision to leave. He was actually, you know, we were very comfortable there. He was a CA, which is a CPA equivalent in India, and he was actually a CFO of a pretty large business in India. A business that's actually publicly listed in India now, so it's grown drastically. So he was comfortable. We were comfortable, but he made, you know, he wanted something else for his family and for himself and for his kids. So leaving India and coming to the USA at age 37 with an 11 year old daughter and a seven year old son is not an easy decision to make, but he made that decision. We came here, we moved to the USA, we got an apartment and he started just trying to figure out where his place in society was, right? Brand new country. Um, so knowing his, he had entrepreneurial fire in him and he had a background in accounting, obviously. So it just made sense. He joined a local accounting firm and started working with local small business owners. And soon, pretty soon after he was, you know, he he knew he wanted to do it on his, himself. So he opened up an accounting practice and I want to emphasize accounting because at that time he was not licensed, right? He just didn't have a license. He was recently moved into the country. So he started his accounting practice and to build clients back, you know, in the mid nineties was different than it is now, right? We have social media, we've got different ways of reaching clients. He just didn't have that. At that time it was him and my mom, they were driving around to local small business owners and kind of just talking to them and going to our local church on Sunday mornings, talking to small business owners in the community and trying to just build that trust. So one thing I'll talk about my dad is he's a really genuinely kind person. I think there's nice people in life and there's kind people in life. um, And his kindness just overwhelms any room that he walks into. And not over too overwhelming to the point where, you know, he really builds that trust with people genuinely. So he was able to build a good book of business with small business clients. And as he continued to grow, he said, okay, you know, I need to get licensed. So he got his EA at age 39. At age 41, you know, at that, t- at that point he could have stopped, but at age 41, he sat for a CPA exam. You know, we took it in our 20s and it was hard enough, man. Um, but imagine having taken at age 41 when you're four years into a new country, just started a new business, have a 15-year-old daughter and 11-year-old son. So there's a lot going on. So, you know, I admire him for all his hard work and dedication to build up this practice. I go in, so when I went to college, we sat down and talked and he said, you know, there's no pressure. You do what you want to do. We brought you here so you can live your dream and anything you want to do is fine with me. But, you know, I saw all the hard work and dedication that they put into this business and I wanted to continue that. So I got my bachelor's degree in accounting at UW, University of Washington here in Seattle. And then I did my master's in taxation. And then, you know, as my master's program is going on, the recruiting season comes up. And we sat down and chat and I'm like that, you know, what do you think I should do? And he said, go for it. You know, this business is always going to be here, but get out there and see what else is out there. It might not be for you, but if it is, it's always going to be here. So I uh, took a job at PwC in San Francisco office and, you know. Marcus, I know you have that EY background. Um, I've got the PwC background. We can probably have a whole separate podcast, just about big four. So I won't go into that too much, but you know, I, I made the most of my time at PwC. I, you know, I was able to take on some of the bigger clients. I was able to make my name for myself and I really made the most of it. And as I was getting ready to be promoted to senior associate, I called up my dad, you know, I was getting lost in a little bit of tax um, provision work, which I just didn't enjoy as much. And I knew I had that same entrepreneurial fire in me that my dad had, you know, 15 years prior to that. And I knew I wanted to work with small business owners. So I called him up. I said, you know what, I'm ready to come back. And he said, okay, great. So this is where the whole leadership and part comes in. Right. I walk into this small office and just north of, we're actually in Seattle. Um, a little suburb of Seattle called Green Lake at the time. And you know, my dad's 100% owner of this business. And I walk in, there's five team members at that time. And I think they were confused. Is, you know, what's going on here? The owner's son is coming in. And I walk in and I think I was a little bit confused, right? I was I was young and naive. I was only 25 or 26 years old at that time walking in. I was like, you know, I think I am the leader. You know, I I feel like I'm the leader. I'm coming in, I'm gonna be making decisions now on how this firm is going to grow, what this firm is going to invest in. I'm going to make the decisions on, you know, who we hire in the future. I'm going to be writing, you know, writing the paychecks. And man, I just was not a leader. I really wasn't. You know, it's funny because I was young and naive and I just didn't have any leadership skills at that time. But just assuming me as a leader does not make you a leader. A leader is defined as someone that has a vision for a business or any purpose in life and follows through with that vision and lives and lives that and reads it daily, right? So I had to really learn to be a leader and I'm not sure if I'm one right now, even, you know, I am the leader of our business, but in order to get there, I'm continually working on myself. That's the biggest piece I've learned. You know, there's no finish line for being a leader. Nobody just, there's no race that you cross and say, okay, I'm a leader. Now I'm done. I don't think that's how it works. And that's the biggest realization that I've come to is, you know, you have to constantly be learning and evolving and networking and, you know, meeting people like Marcus, meeting people like in the community that we've met at RealWorks, meet uh, community members that I've met at ASCTP. you have to constantly be learning. So over time, I think my definition of leadership has evolved and I continue to learn and you know grow from there.
2: Yeah, man, there is uh, so much to unpack there. Um, so yeah. the, the cool thing is uh, when your dad came over and started the business, did your mom know that she was gonna work in the business as well? Uh, I don't know if she did, right? So uh, <laughs> when she
1: first came in, she worked at Safeway Um, Yeah. Because, you know, we just, it it was a, it was additional income. It was, there was health insurance, there was benefits. And when he started the practice, I think she just realized he needs help because he was starting to get more and more clients. And she went in and she got her bookkeeping certificate degree as well at the local community college at that time. And she helped as much
2: as possible. And she rolled up her sleeves and just got it done, whatever needed. That is it was a family business from the start, man. Who would have thought? And uh, very cool that your dad took that risk to not only come over, but then plant the seed. Obviously what the the tree is now from that seed that he planted so long ago. Um, your evolution as a leader, I guess the one question, Rachel probably has others, that I initially had, um, how many of those five people are still left that that were there with the day you came out, you came back? It's actually zero. Zero. Okay. Okay. Yeah. 14 years ago. So, you know, that's another thing I've learned
1: as a leader is to not only grow yourself, but grow your team with you. Right. So, we've had, there was a time where we were dealing with a lot of turnover. And, you know, I will, I'll take fault to that because, I mean, our industry in general has turnover people, especially if you look at the big four, it's kind of a revolving door. So, but we've gotten to the point now we've got, you know, sustainable team members, and they've been with us for quite a bit of time. You know, one of ours just um, hit a 10-year anniversary.
2: Which is awesome. to see. Yeah, no, that's great.
0: That's amazing. Um, all right, well, tell us a little bit about when you did come in and you were a new leader, what were some of your hopes or vision for what the firm would be now that you were a part of it?
1: Yeah, you know, I just, I wanted to really make it a professional firm not saying that it wasn't but a lot of things that i learned at pwc were you know professionalism and how to deal with clients and really make it a proper firm and one of the biggest things that one of the biggest reasons i wanted to come back was you know i saw my dad work so hard to build this i wanted to secure his legacy that was the most important piece for me because you know i saw how hard they worked and how much they gave up for us to leave, you know, have a comfortable life and to build this business. So from my dad's standpoint, it was all about legacy to continue that, right? Because that's kind of like the American dream, you know, first generation comes in, if they set up a business, the goal is that if the next generation wants to go into that business, that they really go all in and take that business to the next level. And that's kind of what I wanted to do. And that's kind of one of the seed that I want to plant. In case my kids want to continue this business, there'll be no pressure on my end, but if they want to, there is going to be something here for them to build on even further. And same, same goes with my partners, my business partners, kids, you know, if they want something, there's going to be something here for them. So from my dad's side, that's what it was about, you know, for my, uh, working with my wife, um, that is something that just kind of made sense. So a little bit of background about her, Uh, we actually met in 2006 at a wedding up here in Seattle, and we kind of just hit it off. She was an accounting major at Fresno State in California, and I was obviously going through my accounting degree at UW, and then we moved to San Francisco together. She was at EY. So she's got a background in forensics accounting as well. as She's a CFE certified fraud examiner on top of being a CPA. So she's got that background in forensics accounting, audit insurance, and she put in her time um, at Amazon in Seattle as well, worked about five years in the internal accounting team, and she took a break after my son was born. And what we talked about was when he w- went to preschool, she wanted to get back into the career and it just kind of made sense because I, I had a vision for where I wanted the business to go. And I was, um, a tax expert, quote unquote, and a leader of the business at that time. So I said, you know, you, your background is accounting. She's so strong in accounting. It just made sense because I want to build out an accounting side of the practice. So she came in and she has taken over that accounting side of the practice
2: and there's no going back now. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. So you've, uh. How many years has it been since you've been a part of NITAX? I I joined in June of 2010, so okay, pasting 13 years. Yeah. So in that 13 years, your, your dad's kind of, he was obviously the patriarch in the business and has kind of taken a step to the side or allowed you to come forward as a leader. You've brought on your wife uh, along on the journey to kind of help with leading the accounting department. And then here recently, you've already mentioned her, but your sister joined the team as well. So, um, are you just convincing people at like family dinners of, uh, you know, this is, this is the way. Yeah. You know,
1: it just kind of things just kind of fall in place. It just works out because. Like I said, from my wife's standpoint, it just made sense at the time where the business was heading. And then my sister just recently joined. You know, what's funny is her first day working with us was day one of the Empower Conference when I met you guys out in Denver in May. And she's come on as a marketing director because we feel like we're ready to take that next step and make some significant changes in our business. Um, And it's been instrumental. You know, um, again, it's not something that is like favoritism or anything she actually earned that role her background is in marketing she's got 10 years plus experience of you know working at microsoft and the marketing team as a vp of marketing so it just made sense and sometimes when things make sense in life you just go for it yeah. right so that's kind of the background of how she came
2: in as well no that's great um which i think the main thing that you've probably seen given Not only your experience coming from EY, but your wife's experience coming from, or your experience coming from PWC, her experience coming from EY and Amazon, your sister's experience coming from Microsoft, Mm -hmm. the scale and the size of the clientele. So for these people coming from such large organizations, what, what is their first take on truly dealing with small businesses one-to-one versus being a part of a corporate organization? Yeah, I think
1: it it goes with their background, right? So I'll talk about it. You know, you mentioned my wife and she's got EY, PwC and Amazon background. My my sister, but also my business partners, right? So my one of my business partners has been with us now since 2011. He was at GT Grant Thornton. Okay. And my other business partner that we brought on, you know, a few few years back, he was at EY in Phoenix and then also Deloitte in Seattle. So it's not just us, it's really the entire team. You know, our entire management team is has this background and professionalism that we were able to gain in these large environments. But the cool thing is that everyone wanted to come together, work with small businesses. You know, what we try to really build here is working together as a family, you know. Obviously, you have to kind of separate out business and family as much as possible. But at the end of the day, we really look at it as a family environment here, and I think that's just something that everyone that I've you know I've spoken to them personally, and I've heard them talk to others and mention that that's the best thing about this environment is that they can be themselves, they can be true to themselves, and they truly have a passion in helping small business owners. Um, I think that's really important, right? Because you have yeah. to separate that out. If you enjoy working on the large businesses such as Chevron, Tesla, Microsoft, or whatnot, that's great. That's your passion. You should follow that. But if your passion is to lead and make a difference for small businesses and small business owners in your community, you have to follow that passion. And that is the biggest reason that I think we're all here together is we have a collective passion on helping our small business clients. And we really honestly, you know. We tell our small business clients, they don't see some of it, but man, do we celebrate their success? We always, you know, if we're sitting here, we're, we're doing some work for them, or that we see they're buying new businesses and growing, we're, we're high-fiving each other. We're, we're genuinely happy for them. And that's what makes us happy, is seeing the success and the growth of
2: their businesses and their families. Yeah, no, that's great. Uh, we do that as well and celebrate and I would just encourage you do that internally, but also give that high five back to your client because nobody else may be doing that because it's such an intimate part of life that they may not let others in to really see their success for whatever reason. So that's really cool. The similarities that exist from your side and ours, so...
0: Well, Mick, I always love to kind of downplay the highlight reels of social media and what we allow people on the outside to see. And I love to uh, bring to light the challenges that come with life, but definitely challenges Mm -hmm. that come with running a business. And so you guys had a little bit of a dynamic shift then if you now have business partners, uh, which you've had Mm -hmm. for a a while now, but if you can remember back to the early days, what were some of those challenges that you guys had to work through um, either with your business partners or bringing on, you know, your wife and what that looked like at home? I don't care which direction you go, but we'd love to hear about it.
1: Yeah, as far as the family dynamic, I know, you know, there's a lot of drama out there that uh, we've seen it as well in other small businesses. You, You know, there's a lot of Things that can go wrong. We've been lucky and blessed enough that things have gone right. And I think everyone understands their roles. And that's the most important piece of it. Really, that's, that's the biggest piece. But as far as, you know, one of my biggest challenges, you know, when I came into the business, we, I, I started to realize that we were doing a lot of work for our small business clients some works, some things that traditionally you wouldn't expect a, your CPA firm to do. So going back to you know, how my dad had to build his trust with his business clients, I think one thing, he, one thing that happened was that he just started to do almost things that necessarily he shouldn't have been doing for some of them, right? Because you know he was building a business. At that point, you have to kind of say yes to everything. So small business owners, I realized when I walked into the business had really relied on us for things that I just didn't think um, CPAs should be doing in the sense that not that we shouldn't be doing it legally, but we should be focusing on different things. So things like, hey, my business license is up for renewal. Can you help us with that? Well, our business insurance is expired. We need help filling out this form. And you know, I walk in and I'm like, is this what You know, leaving PwC, is this really what happens as a small business environment? And then, you know, as I continue to build and grow, I realized that, no, that's not what we need to be focusing on because there's, you know, there's, it's a two-way relationship that those are things that the manager, the management of the business needs to take care of while we focus on our expertise. So that was one of the biggest challenges I had to overcome because I had to, you know, carefully play that out. As well, these are my dad's clients coming in. Okay, this new kid is coming in and he wants to all of a sudden say no to us about some of this work that we're so used to getting done. So I had to, you know, really walk the fine line there and figure out in a way to kind of teach clients on, okay, this is what, you know, you guys need to be taken care of and we're here to help you out and I can teach you so next time you take care of it. So it was a little bit of a matter of kind of, you know, learning to say no to some of these things that was really able to help us take off because then it freed up a lot more time for us to focus on valuable work that we can actually, you know, provide value to our clients. And they, you know, they benefited more than we did, just as much as we did, because, you know, because once we are able to actually provide that valuable services, you know, they see it
2: on their bottom line as well. Yeah. I love what you did there. And of that approach of skill scope and scale and you came through and looked at what are the skill set that we have what should we be doing uh scope what are we being paid to do and and should that be included yeah. in scale and we do this for others um so i love the fact that with fresh eyes you probably came in and saw that versus even where we're at today you're you're being in that chair for 13 years you could have somebody come in your business like your sister who says, Why are we doing this? And it's just yep. evolved over time. And I think that fresh perspective adds a ton of value in any business.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, what are some of the things that you know now that you wished you had known sooner?
1: Yeah, um, I think the biggest thing is that it's okay. It's okay to say no. It's okay to be wrong. It's okay to make mistakes. It's okay to be vulnerable and it's okay to ask for help. You know, I, I, when I walked in, I thought that I had to be this person that just knew everything. Mm -hmm. And that's just not true. It's human nature. We are not going to know everything. We're not going to please every single person. And we have to have the ability to say no. Or else we're really going to get lost in a lot of this work and in, in general in life as well. And another thing is, you know, just being vulnerable. That's one thing I think, you know, going back to the whole leader, leadership talk, um, I think a leader needs to be able to be vulnerable because then people are able to relate to them or her. That's the most important thing. And I think it's okay to ask for help. You know, you got to understand what you're good at. And you have to focus on that. I cannot be good at every single thing that we do inside our business. Knowing that is the most important piece to my growth and the growth of our business. So I think those are the most important things, just understanding that it's okay to, you know, ask for help and be vulnerable, make mistakes and
2: be wrong. Yeah. I think you've uh, done a really good job in elevating yourself as one of the leaders. At your business and getting the advice of others not only your dad but your partners and other people you've brought along the journey whether it's your wife or your sister or whoever i love how technology forward you are and do you mind sharing a little bit about even how you have kind of brought it back full circle yeah i think um technology is a big
1: piece of it so when we when i came in that was another piece of it right we had an old school filing system So everything was done by hand. Tax returns were printed and they were filed and mailed out. So one of the biggest first things that I did was I said, you know, there's got to be a better way of doing this. So we invested in a document management system to go paperless. That was one of the first changes I made. And then as we continued to grow, there was more efficiencies that could be improved. I really started to get involved in networking. And getting involved in communities such as WSCPA and Rootworks and whatnot and realize that, you know, we need to be a forward-thinking firm in order to be able to sustain ourselves for long term. You know, we talk about AI right now, and right now in our business practice, we made the decision to stop, you know, taking on personal or individual tax clients. We want to work with businesses and have business relationships. So investing in technologies, investing in processes, you know, investing in And kind of, you know, not necessarily going with everyone, right? So I think QBO is a big, big player in our industry. So when we were looking to renew our subscription with an accounting software, we went a different route. We went to zero because I, you know, for me, relationships matter and I had a really good relationship and experience with the Zero team, whereas QBO, I just couldn't get anyone on the line, and I, it felt like they just didn't care. So, uh, you know, the fact that the folks at Zero were able to willing and willing to invest their time in us and come into our business and really work with us was important to me. So, you know, partnering with Zero. Our payroll practice was so old school. I remember, you know, clients were calling in hours, they were faxing in hours, and we were running it through this old school accounting system and printing pay stubs, had to package them, scan them together, email it back. It was just so old school, right? But, but that's what it is, right? So you have to continue to improve. So we partnered with ADP and now we're one of the largest wholesalers of, you know, um, payroll processing on the West Coast with ADP. We have a great relationship with them. So I think the biggest things is just continuing to learn and grow. Going back to, you know, what my dad had, had the biggest piece of advice I've received is always learn, grow, and
2: adapt. If you don't, you'll fall behind. Yeah, no, that's great. And that technology that you've leaned into allows you to be in office, out of office, wherever you're at, and essentially be doing great work with the team and the clients. So really in... Yeah, that's the biggest piece of it. I think, you know, just in the world that we live in, you know, it's such a
1: small world and technology is kind of the driving factor for that. And, you know, gosh, we don't even know what the industry is going to look like in 5, 10, 15 years from now. Um, Part of me feels like, you know, tax return preparation is going to be automated to the point where, you know, I'm not sure how much human involvement there will be. So, you know, we've kind of leaned into more of the advisory services with businesses and tax planning because we understand you know there's tons and thousands and thousands of preparers out there that can prepare your tax return but for us the more important piece is a relationship piece where we
2: can provide value to your business on the back end and that to me is not replaceable yeah Uh, you've done a really good job with technology but also delegation and you know getting the work that needs to be done into the right hands of the people that can help you have a good conversation with the client. So, I think you're doing a lot of things right there.
0: Yeah, so as we wrap that. as we wrap up, tell us a little bit about any piece of pieces of advice that you would have for people considering working with family or currently working with yeah. family um just how you guys have managed those relationships because you Mentioned before we started recording that you even still hang out with your sister. So not only does she work there, but you guys still yeah. like each other. Uh, so that's that's good. So any any advice for them?
2: He's like recruiting his niece or nephew or brother-in-law <laughs> at this point. So I already to- I already talked to my nephew. He just turned
1: 11 years old. I was like, you know, you got about four more years before you're coming in, man. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know the, the the biggest piece of advice is just know know your place in the business. I think that's a really important. It's easy to wear every single hat, you know, but it doesn't mean that that's best for the business or your relationships. Like going back to the example, my wife is just brilliant at accounting work and I'm not, you know, I can do accounting work for small businesses, but that is her specialty. So she focuses on that side of the business while I focus on, on more of the tax side and overall business strategy. So... Because I've seen issues with small business owners that are dealing with family members where I think they get excited and they jump into a business plan and they don't have a strategy laid out. They don't know exactly who is good at what. And I think there's a lot of co-mingling rather than staying in your own lane and just understanding what you can do best for the business, for the common good of the business and for your personal relationship you have to be upfront you have to be honest and are there going to be days that are difficult are you going to make mistakes are you going to have arguments or disagreements yeah of course but the whole point of it is that as long as you are proactively and you know together working for the common goal i think you'll be fine and just understanding your place in that business is really really critical yeah i think what would you, what would you guys you know add to that because obviously you have that same dynamic that i have working together
2: yeah I I just thought of this. A lot of people view family members as cheap labor and it's Mm. the opposite. I think that is probably the most expensive person to have in the business because of what they could be doing outside of the business. Um, It's just expensive from the value and the heaviness that it brings to the overall family or life dynamic as well. So uh, we have a, you know, kind of this, I don't know if it's a saying or, but if it's not a definite yes, then it's a definite no on a hire. And it's just easier to never hire the person and to hire a bad person than have to let them go. So yeah. you know, I think it's even more compounded when it's family member in that situation is, is it really ready? Probably what you did with your dad at that time, like, If you would have come in then, as opposed to going out and grinding at a big four company or anything like that, you wouldn't appreciate where you're at today. And sometimes you have to let people go and and see that there's, you know, this is the greenest pasture because we water it, um, essentially. So anything?
0: Yeah, I would say that our strengths are different for Marcus and I. So us coming in to work together. That fell in line kind of naturally. And Marcus being there ahead of me, like totally understood and saw him as the leader and me as like a supplement um, to his leadership. But I think one of the things that we wish we had known sooner or um, advice to give is really setting those boundaries outside of the office. You can't compartmentalize, but... Setting dedicated time that is not about work is so important, and you know that ebbs and flows for us. And certain times it work takes over more than it should, um, but that's something that we try really hard now is to to bring that back and like, okay, we have to turn it off. We have to take a break.
1: Very hard. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard to turn it off. You know, you go home, come to work, you're, you're together. You go home, you're together, um, and you have to really. Put it aside. Yeah. Yep. But it's something, you know, we work on daily and I think I love what you said, Marcus, you know, you know, I think some people do value, um, family members as cheap labor, but I think to me, it's completely opposite. I think, um, I try to leverage the best and whoever is available and it just ha- so happens, you know, it just worked out that way where in my case, the best available was my family members for that. Because I think they also have a passion for growing our business. And also they have that background and expertise.
2: Yeah, no, it's a, it's a beautiful thing when it works. And so I think that's where you you view and watch for the landmines that may be there. But other than that, if you can set vision, follow the plan and go about it and realize that everything's going to be okay, like you said earlier, and just know your place, you kind of go through it at a, at a pace that makes the most sense and you enjoy life. Too, so that's a lot. Yeah.
0: Well, this has been a fun conversation. Thank you so much for joining us and joining us early, might I add? Appreciate that uh, and all the thoughts that you've shared. I know our listeners will get a lot out of our conversation today. Yeah. Thanks for hanging with us to the end of another episode. Leave us a review with your thoughts, comments, and feedback on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss any future episodes. Join us again next week for another great conversation.